this podcast series is presented by Dallas Area Habitat for Humanity. Welcome to Dallas Unplugged, our podcast series that will focus on our cost of home platform. What is cost of home? Cost of home is our advocacy platform that will focus on issues that matter most to the communities that we serve. We'll be talking about home affordability or inaffordability. We'll be talking about how do we make Dallas better, a better city for all of our residents. I am Tasha Heron Bruff, your host, and we are on location in DC for Habitat for Humanities, Habitat on the Kill Day 2020. And I have the honor to sit down with Natasha Reed Rice, who is the Associate General Counsel for Real Estate and Finance for Habitat International. Welcome to Dallas Unplugged, Natasha. You You know, let me say, you know, you and I have met before and um, the first thing I think we both connected on when we looked at each other's badge, we said, your name is spelled the right way. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right? With an O. With that's an right. O. That's, that's how right. it's supposed to Our, our mothers, be. you know, yeah. they were smart. Yeah. They knew <laughs> that this is how you're supposed to spell Tasha. That's right. Yeah. It's a, it's a very common name. When I was in um, junior high school, it seems every other person was named Tasha. It's mm-hmm. popular. Mm-hmm. But you were telling me you think it's on the comeback now. I think so. <laughs> I just keep hearing it. I keep hearing all these new Tashas and Natasha's and Latasha's running around. Yeah. But very few spell their names the way we spell it. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's hey. like a, a vowel lesson. With the A, it's Natasha. With right. an O, it's Natasha. And I, I've been explaining that for years. Yeah, me too. Since so first grade. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, point of education. So, Tasha, I was looking at your bio, and, you know, you are a woman who has made many accomplishments. And one of the things that I've said, of course, you know, you graduated from Harvard Law School. Um, You've done all these amazing things. And one of the things that struck me was that you were the associate pastor Mm -hmm. at Ebenezer Baptist Church, the famous Ebenezer Baptist Church linked to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. How does that come about and how has that kind of influenced and shaped your kind of life's path and your life's work? Yeah, that's great. I, so I started um, my preaching ministry my first year of law school. So for me, um, ministry and law have always been a tag team, which means that faith and justice have always worked together mm. in my understanding of my calling and my vocation. So uh, when I moved back to Atlanta, um, I felt very strongly led to start a women's full-scale women's ministry at Ebenezer. They didn't. They had some women's ministries, but not a full-scale, comprehensive, women's-oriented ministry that focused in on equipping and empowering women to use their voice to not only advocate for others, but also to call out to God for themselves, mm. right? And so it was a wonderful journey there. I was there 11 and a half years. Um, and through that work, also did a lot of advocacy, pulled the ministry and the church into the issue of sex trafficking, Worked quite a bit on getting the passage of three pieces of legislation in the state of Georgia to decriminalize the victims of sex trafficking. Atlanta is one of the main hubs in our country Mm. um, for that atrocity and that modern day slavery. But also Ebenezer, just in working with the pastor there and other ministers there, was just a wonderful way to engage our faith through social justice, um, through the importance of filling our souls so that we could go out and fill the souls of others who were very passionate about being activists mm-hmm. on this earth, right? It's kind of, it's like there's a line in the, the Lord's Prayer, may your will be done on earth right. as it is in it's heaven. heaven. And mm-hmm. can we be the agents for that work? Um, so I continue that work. I began in January partnering with 
a very large progressive Episcopal church in Atlanta, All Saints, and we've launched a Faith in the City series where each month we'll focus on a different social justice issue that impacts our city, our country, our state. Um, and actually this month we're focusing on housing affordability. Wow. And so really looking at how does our faith provide an imperative for ensuring that all God's children have a decent place to call home. Right. Because everybody deserves that same opportunity and that same right. Mm -hmm. We were talking earlier in an earlier panel discussion here um, that no matter where you live, where you are, everybody deserves the same basic rights, right? Yeah, yeah. And so isn't it wonderful when your faith and your work align? Absolutely. I, I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to work in a space where what they believe and the work that they're doing mm -hmm. converge. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And Habitat, for me, has been that space, right? Yeah. So um, out of law school, I did like many other folks that graduated with me from Harvard who had a lot of debt. Yes. <laughs> I went into the private sector. So practiced in a private firm in New York, a private firm in Atlanta, in the real estate space because of my interest in housing. Like mm. I went to law school to be a civil rights litigator and got introduced to housing and the issues of housing and housing affordability my second year yeah. um, of law school. So Habitat has provided kind of that full circle yeah. opportunity to really engage faith, engage expertise, engage yeah. um, passion to make a difference. And, you know, we, we some people may hear this and say, why does everybody deserve a place to, a decent, affordable place to live? And, you know, we think back on some of our founding documents as a nation, pursuit of happiness, right? right? How do you pursue happiness when you can't even lay your head safely yeah. in a place and yeah. call it home? You know, how do you pursue happiness when for instance, in our campaign, we know that one in six Americans pay more than half their income on housing. That doesn't leave you much else to pay for he adequate health care, right. to make sure you're in um, and your children are being you know, properly educated, to take care of the other necessities of survival, let alone think about happiness. Mm -hmm. So how do we set up our communities and our people so that we as a nation are stronger, we as a state are stronger, we as a city are stronger. Right. So you, you talk about the cost of home platform, and mm -hmm. I know you have a big role in rolling that out. We're here because of the cost of home. Tomorrow, we're going on the Hill, and we're going to be talking to legislators about here are our legislative priorities yeah. around cost of home and believing the fact that cost of home should be something that everybody can afford. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about cost of home in that platform. Yeah, and I'm so excited about our advocacy campaign. So we know that our affiliates like Dallas mm -hmm. and others have been involved in advocacy for years, right. Right, right? What this allows us to do now at the national level is to really amplify that work. I, I say it's like we've all kind of combined our mega, ho mega horns from mm -hmm. all over the country into one large one that allows our voice to really hopefully gain traction um, at the federal level, but also to support and encourage other affiliates who are new to the advocacy space yeah. to really make a difference in the places in which they serve. So through the campaign, we're looking at things like access to credit, mm. um, how to increase the supply and the preservation of housing stock. Mm. We're looking at and what, what is the impact of inclusionary zoning? How can right. we continue to make space for folks 
that have ordinarily been displaced, mm -hmm. right? When we've had development and gentrification, you know, how do we then bring also resources to existing locations where people have had to um, really move far outside of our city centers because they can't afford to live in the city right. centers, right? right? And then how what are, how do all these different things work together for an ecosystem of a community, transit-oriented communities? Um, many of our cities are losing out on a great workforce because they can't afford to, folks can't afford to live in the city. Dallas, hello, <laughs> are you listening? And there's yes. inadequate transportation yes. outside of the cities yes. to bring them in, right? Mm -hmm. So we just, I, I think we're at a wonderful place where we have a lot of great opportunities to think more intentionally about how we build our cities, mm -hmm. how we incorporate um, the people that are part of our civic community, um, and for politicians to realize Civic engagement increases with home ownership. Yeah. Civic engagement increases with housing stability, whether right. you're renting or owning, right? Yeah. Um, we look at places. I live in Georgia, and I work a lot with our Georgia affiliates. In Georgia, there was one study done that said 70% of the families that are, that are able to own a home and come to the home ownership program get off of public assistance. I mean, it's just, it has such a great impact. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then we know the health outcomes and the education outcomes right that come from having a, st a stable place to call home. So this national platform, this national campaign, really allows us to share best practices, allows us throughout our network to really help with messaging, mm. um, help to gain traction, and help to elevate this housing issue. We're finally getting chatter, yeah. right, among our legislators at the state level. We're getting chatter even in this campaign season. We've heard housing discussed um, in some of the Demo Democrat Democratic candidate debates. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way that we haven't before, it, we have such a prime opportunity, I think, to make an impact on behalf of so many mm. who need their this collective voice to have momentum and traction. So what do you say to, you know, Habitat's been around for a long time, and most of what, we, what we're known for is building. They mm -hmm. think about construction. They think about building a house, which is all fantastic and great. But I think you and I and the 350 advocates that are here today realize that it goes beyond home ownership. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the broader conversation around housing and the impact on our communities as a whole. How do we elevate that through advocacy beyond home ownership? Yeah, and I think it's interesting. A lot of people do ask that question. Well, Habitat is about home ownership, yeah. and that is true. Yeah, We have the seat of home ownership. But we want also at the table to sit with us folks that are working in the rental space, mm -hmm. you know, folks that are coming up with creative and innovative um, housing preservation solutions. You know, we want the folks that know zoning. We want folks that are a part of the continuum of housing because we have to have a pipeline for home ownership. You know, right. people don't just wake up one day and qualify for That's a mortgage right. or a loan. So we're looking at um, the various aspects and vantage points and entree points into the housing continuum. And I think that that is important because what we're able to do at Habitat, we've got a very powerful brand. Mm -hmm. And if we can be conveners yeah. of, of others who are involved in this space, I think we really lend and leverage our brand in a way that creates um, great cachet mm. uh, in our state houses and here on the Hill. I also think it's important for us to lend our expertise. And many of the folks, as we know, throughout our network 
who are working in our affiliate space are community organizers yeah. and they're activists and they are partnering with folks who are also doing things that are complementary yeah. to housing and that housing is complementary to, yeah. right? And I think essentially what we realize is housing is an essential component of community. That's right. Right? Yeah. So when we're talking about, and this is part of painting the picture of who's in need mm -hmm. of an affordable place to call home, the, the, building community, you're able to build community now with the teachers that you leave yeah. your kids with all yeah. day. You're That's able right. to now build community with yeah. police officers who provide a safe place to mm -hmm. live. We're able to build community with firefighters. We're yeah. able to build community now when we have affordable housing options in our communities we're able to have a spectrum of folks within our communities that we can relate to because now we go to the grocery store together. I think that's such an interesting point. And, you know, I think it's important because I think the face of affordable housing, a lot of people think very narrowly when they think of mm -hmm. what that looks like and who is the benefactor or beneficiary of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. But to your point, it expands to the teachers that teach in our educational system right. and to the fire, uh, fire and police officers that serve our communities. It's the waitress and wait staff at our local restaurants right. it impacts you know so many areas of mm -hmm. community yeah mm -hmm. and it's kind of really helping to shift a narrative that has been so influenced by kind of what we call nimbyism right yes, not in not my, my backyard, backyard. and yeah. what we're doing by doing that is we're we're really carving out um communities that are not multi-layered mm -hmm. we're losing the mosaic that is the beauty of our country um and and we're we, so we want to change that narrative yeah. and remind all of us what it means to live in community, what it means to have accountability among neighbors, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and we know that um, Habitat has a Christian focus. And yeah. I love uh, this one quote that I, I've read recently where it says, you know, when asked to choose between my religion and my neighbor, I always choose my neighbor mm. because my religion never told me to love my religion. Wow. Right? Powerful. And so how we think about what it yes. means to be a neighbor, mm -hmm. you know, how we think about what it means to create community with that neighbor. This campaign really provides us with a great framework and an opportunity to influence the narrative, influence policy, and influence the minds of folks who are into building America into a great nation. Yeah. I know you do a lot of work with women in leadership, mm -hmm. and um, I saw a TEDx that you did um, a while back, and I was, I was so inspired by what you talked about. You know, you talked about, you know, the woman's power to change the world, and you quoted Sojourner Truth, and you quoted um, Beyonce, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, essentially, girls running the world. Uh -huh. And it was timely for me in the fact we just hosted a panel discussion in Dallas with women advocate leaders. And we had a cross section of, of leadership there. What do you tell the next generation of women advocate leaders? How do you inspire and encourage them mm -hmm. to do the work that you do? Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of work to be done. And I think there's some momentum here. How do we get those young leaders actively engaged? Well, I think one is we invite them to panels like the yeah. one you had, right? And I think too, um, I love history. I love women's history. I love looking back in particular at African-American women who have really changed the, the fiber of this country. So for instance, the Sojourner Truth quote is, she says uh, kind of in jest in response to some of the criticism she had made at, at, in her Ain't I Woman speech, mm -hmm. if it was a woman who turned the world upside down, 
then we together as women can turn the world right side up. Yes. Right. And so what we hear in that quote is a woman who came into an audience of folks that didn't necessarily support her. And yet she stood with courage and confidence because she believed in what she was fighting for. Right. So what I would tell young women today is you, you've got to really believe and connect to what it is you are fighting for, identifying that injustice and finding a way to have a voice in that space that shines the light on the injustice in such a way that you can invite others yeah. to fight with you. So you've got courage in Sojourner Truth. And in Beyonce, um, she says girls run the world, right? But she also puts in the work. Yes. For that message right. to come forth with the power that it had, she has an amazing work ethic. So I also say to our young woman, put in the work. Yeah. Faith Hone without works is Faith dead. without works is dead. That's yeah. right. Hone mm -hmm. your craft. Like there are no shortcuts That's right. to influence, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. You know, if you really hone your craft, if you... Find ways and learn. Never stop learning. You know, put yourself at the at the at the the feet of someone else, and that doesn't mean in a subjugated way. It means go listen to someone who's doing work in an area that you are interested in and learn, study, yeah. hone your craft, do your work right, and then when you're able to come to the microphone, what you have to say has great import and great impact. So, what are you at the end of this? You know, Cost of Home is a five year program, yeah, and when you look at the end of this, you know, how do we know that we've done what we've set out to do? What, what in your mind is success uh -huh. when we talk about the end of the cost of home program? What do you envision that to look like? Yeah. So our, our five-year goal um, is to impact and, in, and the, impact the lives of 10 million people with housing solutions. Okay. Um, so that's one. That's our, our grand goal. But I also uh, believe that a great track of our success is seeing how many other advocates we brought into the space, you know, helping people cross those those very harsh partisan lines that we're dealing with right now and join forces on behalf of the greater good of our communities, of our states, of our country yeah. that now speak with a more united voice on how to speak up for those who are some of the most vulnerable mm. in our country. Yes. Right. How to find policies that support um, those who are at the bottom end of the area median income spectrum, how to make sure we put safety nets in place so that our children have greater outcomes in the right. education space and the health space, reducing child homelessness. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, there, that branches out reducing child hunger, yeah. you know, and finding ways to increase and have better health outcomes for our children and our families around yeah. the state. And so we'll have various metrics that we're obviously going to track throughout the campaign. Um, but our larger goal is clearly um, kind of our beacon and our guiding light, as well as some of these other goals and policy wins that we hope to have at the state and the national level. So tomorrow we're going in the cold, in the rain. Uh -huh. We're going to have a rally. That's right. We're going to have our chant. We're going to be fired up and ready to go. And, um, you know, and what people don't know, and you and I were talking about this, is you know our mayor, Eric Johnson. Uh -huh. So is there anything that you could tell us about Mayor Johnson? The many conversations I've had with him, I know he loves your city. Yeah. He loves Dallas. Yeah. I know he's very earnest about making a difference in the city. Um, I know housing is on his mind. Yeah. Um, and finding a way to deal with the many inequalities that you face, not only in Dallas, but in all of our other major yeah. urban areas. 
Um, so you all have a great mayor, and I think, I think so. it makes for an opportune time, yes. right, for you yes. all to get some things passed and in place yeah. um, during his tenure in ways that perhaps you haven't been able to do thus far. Well, we're going to, you know, Dallas Habitat is going to be working very hard to do that, and we feel like we have a, a great ally uh, in him and in you. Awesome. I want to thank you so much for taking time to be here and... Um, I just think you're amazing. I look forward to us working together. Awesome. I look forward to it as well. And Eric, my bill's in the mail. <laughs> Thank you. Thank no, you. This is great. Dallas Area Habitat for Humanity would like to thank Natasha Reed Rice for sitting down with Dallas Unplugged. Stay tuned because we have some amazing guests that will be joining us on this journey. You don't want to miss it.